Welcome to Where Work Meets Life. I'm Dr. Laura. I am a psychologist, business leader, author, speaker, and advocate. I'm passionate about bringing experts from around the world to you with a variety of topics at the intersection of where work meets life. I'm excited to be doing this podcast to educate, share knowledge, and raise awareness. Thank you for joining me, and I look forward to being here with you today. I'm Dr. Laura, and I'm thrilled to be here on this episode of my podcast called Finding Meaning in Work for 2020 and Beyond. Today's topic is about meaning in our work and careers, and with all the economic uncertainty, the ongoing pandemic, the layoffs across different industries, fear that is caused by, you know, the the media and mixed messaging on all of this, people may wonder, how can I even think about meaning in my career? I'm just trying to survive and get through the next day. Is finding a meaningful career even possible? Well, I have good news for you. Um, as your present leading into 2021, yes, it is possible. And I'm delighted to welcome today's guest, Tom Morin, author of the book called Your Best Work. So you can see my copy here, Your Best Work. It is a beautiful read. I met Tom in 2014 um, when he approached me to have a coffee and he was transitioning into his current career. So he was at the point of his own career transition and he was looking at becoming a coach, a keynote speaker, a leadership development consultant. And he was really dedicating his career at that time to begin helping people find meaning in their own careers. And given that I found Calgary Career Counseling and Canada Career Counseling in 2009, obviously we shared a common passion and I was more than happy to get to know Tom at that time and offer some words of advice. Tom was nearly killed twice in his work and a third time trying to escape unfulfilling work. Wow. So I'm going to let him tell you about how and how he almost lost his life and what he learned from those brushes with death that forced him to critically examine what's important in his working life and how to help other people find the same meaning and fulfillment. So again, um, uh, Tom is someone I really respect. He's an experienced and accomplished organizational leader. So he has a leadership past to draw from. He is an inspiring speaker and now an author. And he continues to educate through his role at Royal Roads University as a faculty member. And he's a recipient of the University Founders Award. So what strikes me about Tom is he's a lifelong learner, a giver, and I'm just thrilled for him to be here today on this podcast. Welcome, Tom. Well, thank you for that wonderful introduction. It's a pleasure to be here today today with you. Wow, I am just uh, thrilled. And I think this is a great episode for around New Year's because I know that over the holidays, a lot of people start putting a lot more thought into, you know, I don't like my job or I don't like my career. I'm not happy. So tell me, um, what led you to write this book? And tell us a little bit about nearly losing your life. Well, I, you know, I'll, I'll answer the, the, the easiest question first, which is why I write the book. Um, it's another channel to reach people through. I mean, 
when you consult and uh, coach, you, you know, you can work with one person or a team uh, standing on a stage. Maybe there's a few hundred, maybe more. Um, but uh, when you have a book out there, uh, anybody can download it and buy the print copy. It's quite accessible. So it was really another channel to uh, contribute uh, in, in my small way to uh, helping people, uh, you know, create more fulfilling working lives. Um, but the other questions, uh, a little more challenging. So, you know, uh, you know, what happened along the way? And every time I hear, uh, people give my introduction, the first thing I think is, uh, I'm a slow learner, uh, having, <laughs> having almost been killed, uh, three times, twice at work. Um, I didn't quite, uh, have that moment of epiphany after the, after each time. I mean, people see their lives flash before their eyes and they, you know, they immediately see certain, they immediately have certain clarity. Um, after the first time, and the first time is when I was in the military in the uh, former Yugoslavia, there was a mortar attack. No one was killed that day. No one was injured, but it was a very obviously stressful time. Everybody's taking cover. As soon as it was over, the first thing I thought was, I need to get a new job. And it, it baffles me now today that I look back on that moment and all I thought about was work. But I didn't quite, you know, be critical about that with myself and not be critical as judgmental, but just try to think about it more. So I eventually left the military and uh, the first job I got out of the military, I didn't have any post-secondary education at the time. It was a tough job market, was uh, working on a, a drilling rig in northern Canada. Well, one day, uh, a few of my, my supervisor and myself weren't paying attention, and I just missed uh, becoming the victim of a horrible uh, workplace incident. I just jumped out of the way. If I hadn't jumped out of the way, it makes people a little squeamish, but I, I literally would have been chopped in half at the waist. Um, again, standing on that drilling rig floor, shaking a bit, literally two, three seconds after it happened, I thought about work. I thought about, I need to get a different job. Again, slow learner. I, I was, you know, couldn't understand that. But it motivated me to go back to school to, uh, you know, to try to get, create more choices for myself in the world of work. And of course, I did end up with uh, what I thought would be a nice, safe corporate job. Uh, and it was wonderful. I had an office in a high rise office building. I was working with brilliant women and men who were uh, dedicated to their work and courteous and professional. It was fantastic. Um, but after a while, and I don't think I was ever an adrenaline junkie or anything like that, but I, I was a little bored and a little stressed. So I started mountaineering, uh, first climbing rock and then ice and then traveling the world to climb, you know, bigger, more dangerous mountains. And that was the third and final so-called brush with death. We were at about 18,000 feet in Peru, a lack of oxygen. oxygen. Uh, I started to I, I always tell people I was hallucinating, though I, you know, I saw myself leave my body, uh, couldn't, thought I couldn't breathe, all those things. Uh, uh, some people call it a near-death experience. But uh, that one was harder to recover from, you know, mentally, psychologically, because uh, my work had already lost meaning. Now my escape from work that I'd been immersed in for years with the brush with death, that lost meaning. And I was at a real low point in my life. But um, for some reason, I didn't get depressed. I got curious. And I started trying to understand this intersection between the finite nature of life. We're only here for a short time. We're going to pass. And 
the thing that most of us will spend almost all, you know, the majority of our waking hours doing, which is engaged in the many aspects of a working life, whether that's later on in our early school years, in our teens, we're very focused on what we're going to do for a living. Post-secondary education is very focused on that. We get jobs, commute to and from, from jobs, do all kinds of professional development and training. We worry about work after work and on the weekends, we worry about if our kids are going to get work. And we'll, we're going to work for, you know, a lot of us, it's going to be over 40 years. So I often tell people that the biggest thing uh, next to, you know, engagement in the aspects of our working life is probably the 60-year marriage. So if somebody manages to stay married for 60 years, they've probably spent more time with their spouse on and off throughout that life than they're going to spend engaged in work on and off. So I tried to understand that. And I'm just thrilled with, uh, you know, the, the journey that I've been on. Wow. So you just shared a lot there. And I think that your book actually does a great job talking about the different incidents that you went through and those moments of greater and growing clarity. And I wouldn't say you're a slow learner. I would say you're a pivoter. You pivoted each time, you know, in different ways. And I would say you're an avid learner because you've learned a lot about meaning and a lot of, you know, you're very, very philosophical, but you're also very practical. And as the book goes on, it gets into some real practical strategies that people can adopt to find greater meaning. So great job there and great storytelling. (laughs) Thank you. Um, so tell us about how you are influencing how people work and live today. Yeah. And I, I, I love that question because I, I, we're often not, uh, aware of the, of the complete impact we have on others. I mean, I do a lot of speaking. Um, I do, I still do a lot of consulting and coaching. Um, I'm starting to do more and more, uh, training, but, um, the one piece of feedback that I get consistently when I talk about the, uh, the, the nature of work in our lives. Not that work is important for everyone, but what people come up to me and say is, I never realized that I had permission to care deeply about my working life because we're socialized and uh, that's a, a, you know, you know, one of those big words that we, we need to uh, break apart a bit, but you know, there's a lot of, uh, Things we're told to believe and do throughout our lives, and a lot of them are fantastic. But work um, does take in society a, a, a lower place than, of course, uh, family. Uh, you know, uh, perhaps it's a, a, a certain belief system, faith, a community. But that's not the way everybody experiences it. For some people, work happens to be their career happens to be a really important thing that they just never felt like they had permission to let it be as important as it felt. So if that's the one thing I say, you know, that I'm able to say that I think I've had the biggest impact on is allowing people to, you know, accept the place of work in their lives even and, and accept if it's actually not important. There's permission for that too. Yeah, fantastic um, thinking there. And, and I agree that work can just be a necessary way to bring in money right Mm -hmm. and but there 
you know, it really, and I went into career psychology earlier in my career because I felt that most of people's waking hours is are spent working. <laughs> and I thought, you know, this needs to be meaningful and fulfilling and purposeful. Mm-hmm. And why would you go into something you don't like and then have to spend most of your waking hours yep. uh, in it? Doesn't make any sense to me. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> that can take such a psychological toll. Right. And As I know, it did on you, right? Like it was hard by the huge. end, right? In your corporate life and then before that in the military, doing mm-hmm. something that wasn't the right fit. And, and I know, Laura, especially in your uh, practice and all the businesses that you've been involved in, you see, you've seen the, the intersection between mental health and satisfaction at work. And um, we know that there's, there's some of these, there's, there's kind of these big rocks in life that really are holders of our mental health. Of course, it's our primary intimate relationships, our family. Um, money, of course, is a challenge. But dissatisfaction with work is one of those sources of dissatisfaction with life itself. So if we can just help you know, a few people in their working lives so they can find the meaning that's right for them, greater or lesser, whatever, we've made a huge contribution to well-being. I agree. I'm so glad we're both in this line of work because it is so impactful. And interestingly enough, when you say that work, sometimes, you know, people want more out of it than they feel they have permission to. We also have the opposite situation that came up in my last podcast episode, which is about workaholism Mm -hmm. and how that's a form of addiction. So have you experienced workaholism? What are your thoughts on that end of the spectrum, Tom? That I'm, I'm I'm glad you brought that up, and I haven't talked about that in a while. Uh, and but I I want to say that it's one of the first questions I asked myself, because you know I thought well have what you know we all have, have some sort of uh, I, I mean I, uh, I I you know not being an addiction specialist, but I know it's the engagement in something that kind of overshadows your life, takes over, and there's substance, there's process addictions, there's all these things, and of course there's work addiction. So I thought. Am I really just trying to either distract myself from life itself or from my family or, you know, by immersing myself in work? Am I hiding from something? Am I letting this take over my life? And I really had to make sure in my own mind and seek feedback saying, okay, so I I really love what I do. I tend to spend a lot of time doing it. Is it making other things in my life worse? And um, I have to be honest, and I, I'm sure everybody around me would say that my work and how I engage with other people through my work has probably made my life better and hopefully the people around me. But I will say that I'm very conscious of that, uh, uh, that ability to kind of burrow deep into work at the expense of addressing other things in your life. And I think that might be, you know, one of those things we call workaholism. So I think it's something that all of us who find our work deeply meaningful, um, who spend a lot of time working, I, I would offer it's one of the first questions we have to ask ourselves. Uh, am I hiding from anything? And, you know, each person has to answer that on their own. I'm, I'm comfortable that I'm not, but I think it's a fantastic place to, to start. Yeah, and to do a check-in. And I have a coach that I've worked with that always says you can have a certain number of buckets 
and you need to figure out uh, how each of those buckets is being filled at different times. And yes. and work to me is, is definitely one of my important buckets. There's no doubt about it. But if it's taking time away from my children and mm-hmm. that bucket, I need to be really careful because it can and it has and it will if I let it. And mm-hmm. same with my physical health and my spiritual health. Like those are each a bucket. So I totally relate to you. I think, you know, both of us, Tom, need to be looking at this regularly, given Absolutely. our tendencies, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. And and uh, uh, I would also offer that um, one of the things I talk a lot about in the book is the, uh, you know, how these sources of meaning in our lives are actually actually quite, uh, you know, perhaps in the big picture, depending on your in, on your view of the universe and faith, they can actually be quite equal. So what I mean by that is. Um, uh, you know, uh, it's not like uh, work is always going to be held by by somebody as more important than family or the other way around. I think what we need to do is recognize that true, you know, we feel a lot, uh, you know, more abundance in our lives, not so much when we have a lot of one source of meaning, but if we find many things meaningful. So I, my relationship with my wonderful wife, Joanna, of 25 years now. Nice. Uh, Good milestone. Yes, I know. We're pretty, pretty happy. Um, yeah, like that's a huge source of meaning in my life. My, my parents, my friends, my work. And I'm just so uh, thankful that I've been able to, you know, appreciate that all these things matter. And I don't need, I'll, you know, I don't have to get everything from one, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, very, very well put. So when you kind of take a step back and look at what's been unhealthy with the way people work and what mm-hmm. needs to change about that? Yeah, I, I was thinking, um, I, I think a lot about that. And when I look at the world of work, uh, and I know this is probably uh, uh, not typical today because of the nature of our technology, but I look at pre-industrial revolution and then post-internet. And, you know, the period in between, of course, is what we're we we a lot of our literature and understanding of work is really based on post industrial revolution and we're just trying to start to get really good data on what it's like to work in a digital world but you know from an when we look at health we the first thing i think is valid is it's actually the you know the the impact of work on our health is you know, definitely gotten better over the past 200 years. Let's be honest about that. Um, what really changed a couple hundred years ago is most work happened in the home, which is interesting what's happening now. You know, people would live upstairs, downstairs was a shop where they worked in the very, you know, the farm farm fields were right next door. And then when the Industrial Revolution happened, we, we moved from our towns to these factories to come together to work and then, you know, hopefully go home probably what you know sometimes it was once a year on the weekend and we find a lot of uh, countries in the world who may not have the digital infrastructure that we have it's still like that so all so we're brought together after the industrial revolution and there was all kinds of mental health issues that went along with with work but right now i think we're in this new phase where we really have to look at what's perhaps unhealthy now about how we're working like you know there's you know what is the impact on health we know that it's much really much safer yes people still die at work we know from a mental health perspective there's lots of resources but i think right now the biggest challenge to our working lives is uncertainty 
and the, the mental health impacts of uncertainty. We love certainty as humans, uh, you know, and, and we're going to fill that uncertainty gap with something. And I think right now is if, if I can, when I talk to a lot of my clients and even my organizational clients, it's managing that those, that, those mental health challenges, those stress challenges that come with the, just the nature of, of our, our world of work, which is, I think, characterized by uncertainty and change. Um, I think if we can overcome that, we're making a huge impact on our health. So right now, just sorry for the long answer, but I think it's a mental health issue, but I think it's primarily an uncertainty issue. Yeah, that's a really good way of summing it up. Uncertainty. And as humans, we crave (laughs) certainty, but that's actually impossible in the human experience because nothing is certain and the only certain thing is change. So I think you nailed it. If people can learn to be comfortable with the uncertainty and take their life more in the moment, one day at a time, one week at a time, what can I control today? Uh, And not get all flustered about the future or regretful about the past. Um, And that's, I think, that whole mindfulness movement and why that's been picking up. Absolutely. I I think you're, you're dead on there for sure. But so given this pandemic situation, I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called (laughs) (laughs) COVID-19. I don't know if you've you've come across it, but um, it's a pandemic that's going on. And how has it been an opportunity? I know there's been a lot of negative with it, but how has it been an opportunity to evolve our work lives? Yeah. And and I think we're, uh, you know, we're very, I'm very fortunate. Of course, I live in a in a, uh, a very, uh, you know, rich country. I live in Canada. I have digital infrastructure. I have Wi-Fi. I've, uh, over the past, uh, tw- you know, 20 odd years, I've, I've, I've upgraded my education and I've, I'm very open to learning new things. So, and I know it's not like this for so many people, but this massive change to our, the way we can move about society and the way we can engage in work has been, a lot of opportunity for me, uh, and I think there's when I when I look for uh, mentors and avatars on through the internet or in my world of work to say who else is doing this, who else is changing. I really see a lot of people embracing uh, the 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 you know the change that we've been forced to do, and that that's let's be honest, what that change is. Many people have had their work reduced or lost their jobs. Many people have been forced uh, to really confine their movements to a very small area. Those that are working, um, they've had to deal with massive, massive, uh, you know, real existential threats. I mean, we've we all know people who have contracted COVID. Some of us know people who have died of COVID. So I think, um, you know, I definitely don't like to say too much how much opportunity there has been for me from uh, engaging with my clients, from uh, developing online content, from being able to work from home, because I'm conscious of how difficult it's been for many. But I'll just add to that. There's a great quote by the Antarctic explorer Ernest Shackleton that I I try to sneak in whenever I can. Um, And that is that uh, optimism is true moral courage. So he's what he's really saying is, it takes courage, meaning you're probably filled with fear, and it's going to be uncomfortable to be optimistic. But I, you know, when people say to me, Tom, why are you so, so optimistic? I said, I'm really not comfortable with the alternative. So I'd rather be optimistic. I'd rather think the 
tomorrow's going to be so much better. I'm a glass half full kind of guy. So I think that's enabled me to find opportunity in this uh, terrible time we're in. And I think we need inspiring people that are optimists like yourself. And I think that makes you a really, you know, strong speaker, writer and influencer. And I think the quote, thank you for sharing that quote, but this book is full of quotes and I love (laughs) quotes. I love quotes. I'm a quotes person. I gotta post more quotes actually, but you know, there's all kinds of quotes throughout the book laced in and I think all of them are great. And I really like that style. Thank you. And, and uh, I, I will say that um, it really feels good to make someone else feel better. And I, yes, it could be self-serving. Maybe it's a little, you know, one of those things I, I'm perhaps addicted to. But if, if, I, can, if I can just, and, and of course, when I quote somebody, it's, it's, there's you know, famous historical people that I'm quoting. Um, but if I can just say, does this help? Does this help? How does this make you feel? And, uh, you know, my, my intention is always to contribute to well-being. So if I can do that through quotes, if I can do it through a story, if I can just do it by smiling, I mean, whatever it takes, is making somebody feel better is fantastic. Awesome. Yeah. And I think even if it makes you feel better, that's great, right? <laughs> uh, like, it's a win-win. And it is. It's, it's fabulous. So... I Thank wouldn't you. overanalyze that. <laughs> You're an analyzer. <laughs> I know you are. So um, something very practical in your book that stood out to me was um, the VBP section. And that is a section where you highlight a way to start pursuing meaning in your life. So I like to give our listeners something practical. What can they take away into their thinking um, as they plan out their, their next phase of their career? So what is VBP and how can they use it? So the, the VPB is the vision, promise, and behavior. And um, what I've done in the book is I've really started, you know, f- there's three, it's basically a three-step process that evolved from right after uh, the time you and I first met in 2014. I started working one-to-one with people that are having challenges in their working lives and in their organizations. And the VPB is the last part and you know and and I always like to say it's the last part and it happens even before you start making goals so many of uh, and I'm sure you've seen this so many of your clients are very uh, high self-efficacy you know they 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 know they can get something done they just they're ready to set a goal and they know they can accomplish that goal what the vision promise and behavior does is pull people back and say the last thing you want to do is spend your time accomplishing a goal that when you've done it, you're really not satisfied. So, you know, and we can go through our whole lives accomplishing a lot of goals and not feeling satisfaction, peace, whatever those thing is that we're looking for. So the vision, promise and behavior is in a way a pause and it's proven incredibly effective with my clients is start with vision. What is it? How do you want to feel in the future? How, what state do you want to be in? Because, you know, you're going to accomplish a whole bunch of goals, but where, you know, what is that way of living that you're looking for? So I, I talk about how to create a vision. And then I, I say, okay, it's going to be a long road. Maybe for some it's shorter, shorter or longer, but make yourself a promise every day. Every day I will do something. And then I ask, and I always people tell my clients, you can have one vision and you can have one promise, but you can have many behaviors. 
So how are, you know, and a lot of our behaviors, we want to accomplish them with other people. I will meet, you know, a new person every week. I will, uh, you know, uh, learn a new skill once a month, all these behaviors. And I find that when we have the vision, promise and behavior first, when we start creating goals, those things that we accomplish, all of a sudden, we have a foundation on which to pick our goals. We have a way of being towards our goals. Uh, and even for myself, I have my vision, promise, and behavior on my phone. And every day, I feel like I'm successful, like I'm already there. Because I'm really living my vision, living my promise, living my behaviors every day. And yeah, I have goals and I accomplish them. But if, as if the world stopped for me tomorrow, I feel successful today because of that VPB. That's that's amazing. And I think it counteracts what you said earlier, but how do you live through uncertainty and constant change? Well, if you have the tangible plan for today and the week, and, and I like how you've made it very concrete into behaviors, but also tied to a vision. Um, so that's um, really, really well put. Thank you. Yeah, and I think that yeah, this book can really help inspire people that way with what to put into practice. So... I, I like to, I know you consult to workplaces just like I do, and I'd like to hear what your top recommendations are. You know, just a couple of things that come to mind about becoming a better place to work. Because mm. l- let's face it, there's a lot of crappy places to work, and they just are soul-sucking um, <laughs> entities. So I want to know your advice to organizations, just some quick nuggets right. of how to be better. Yeah, and, and I always, uh, you know, it, it, obviously, you know, uh, I... I'm, I, I don't get to say this to every organization because I'm contracted for different work, whether it's leadership development, change management. But if somebody says, you know, what can we do better to make make our workplace better in general? My first uh, comment is about diversity. And we, we know how we have uh, we invite different uh, uh, different backgrounds, uh, whether it's gender, sexual orientation, culture of origin, race. We want to make an inclusive workplace. And then we evolve to diversity of thought, and we want to people to be able to challenge ideas. I also offer, if we can accept the diversity of meaning that people make of work. So everybody is at work for some reason. We know that uh, there's a fantastic author and professor out of Boston College named David Blistein, and he wrote The Psychology of Working. Tons of research, and we know that 70% of people in the world work for survival. And, you know, and then there's people who work to implement their self-identity and they want some meaning. If we can accept all those different relationships with work into our workplace, then all of a sudden we're building again another level of inclusion in our workplace. So I would say focus on uh, diversity and if we can bring in diversity of meaning making, wonderful. Excellent. Really, really excellent. And I like how you describe that it's a very fresh way of describing it and your book gets at that that too that everyone's different when it comes to meaning of work and it's okay if if you're fulfilled um working in a job that might seem really repetitive to me but it's fulfilling to you you know or it pays your bills and that's okay like you know not all of us have to be you know a certain way otherwise it would be a pretty boring world right if everyone was tom and laura 
<laughs> kidding. No, it wouldn't be a boring world. It would be interesting, but maybe too intense, too much. <laughs> oh, I, I, I think it might get a little boring after a while, too. No offense. Yes. <laughs> Not enough diversity, that's for sure. So um, work-life wellness is a topic I delve into a lot as well in my podcast, because I think it's about being well in your work, whatever that may be, and your life, whatever that looks like. Um, so it's not about a perfect balance, but it's about a wellness. And what does that look like for you personally? Yeah, wellness. So I, I struggle, like every human, with something. And uh, um, my my wellness, and I, I will say at the beginning of the pandemic, I mean, my, my book was released on March 17th, a week after nationwide lockdown here in oh, Canada. Oh, no. That's okay. Uh, you know, it's, it's been a wonderful journey. But um, what happened is uh, I was thrown. And so a few weeks after that, by about mid-April, all my speaking engagements uh, that for 2020 were canceled. They've picked up in the fall with virtual events, but I literally had to run around canceling airfare, canceling hotel rooms. And of course, I struggle with that uncertainty, stress, all that stuff, you know, we all naturally struggle with it. And there's people better at it than I am and worse at it than I am. It's going to sound funny. I looked, uh, I, I immediately, my default behavior went back to that last part of my book, which was the intentional relationship with our work. The VPB is in there, but then there's the getting stuff done piece. So when I look at wellness for me, it means, can I get one thing done today? Can I get a piece of something done today? Every time we move our bodies, whether it's speaking, learning something, rather than just planning and thinking about something, every time we do something, we actually get one step closer to that thing that we're pursuing. So for me, wellness always looks like, okay, I've, it's been a tough day. I just got to get one thing done or a piece of something done. It's going to take five minutes and all of a sudden... I'm fine. That's great. Just hearing it from you. I mean, you're a human, you struggle like the rest of us, but you're practicing what you preach, which <laughs> I, I love to hear that. Um, and it's not always easy for us that work with others. We need to make sure to put our gas mask on first, right? <laughs> I like that analogy. Um, so another question I have, this is an interesting one that I ask all my guests. If you didn't have to sleep and you had an extra eight hours of time to work with, what would you do with it? What would I do? Um, well, I, I think about, uh, I work about, I mentioned this earlier, about 10 hours a day during the week. So I would probably work a few more hours a week and then the same percentage uh, you know, increase with spending time with Joanna, with friends, uh, doing those little, uh, you know, uh, self-care things like listen to music and, you know, go, we exercise, you know, go for walks and work out. Um, so what I change or sorry, what I do and why I do it probably wouldn't change how I do it wouldn't change, but I would probably do more of it. And I, I, uh, and again, I'm very conscious that many people may want to make a big change in their lives, but it's been a long road for me, and I'm really happy with what I do, how I do it, and my why. So a, a few more hours would be just more more time to do what I can. That's That says a lot, right? That you are where you need to be, and you would just 
do more of it. And I think that is, I think is a goal for a lot of us is to get to that place where we're doing what we are meant to be doing, want to be doing, are fulfilled doing, and we're not really craving something different. And if you are craving something different, then maybe 2021 is the year to do something about it. (laughs) Right? And I noticed with the pandemic, there's a lot more people who have been coming for career counseling and really using it as a time to to make some shifts in their life. Um, So I've seen a lot of that happening. And I think that's a really good thing. I think more time at home has forced people to think about it more. Mm I, I agree 100 percent and I, I think uh, you know you've already you've made a huge contribution to you know Canada and our community with respect to the work that you do with uh, Canada career counseling and, and and your other businesses and I think that now with the pandemic, we've seen people asking more questions about career and uh, it's so you know it's wonderful that there's these you know these services that our communities offer uh, and uh, that you know that we can really somebody I can ask those questions to there's somebody who has you know multiple answers for me that I can choose from and I just think that uh, helping people with their working lives uh, is is probably a, a growth career going forward and uh, I'm happy to just play a little part of that yeah and and you sure do with your speaking your your book I mean I just I think that a lot of people, a book is where they start, right? Or a podcast even. So maybe this episode will, you know, inspire some people to get going on that and to figure out what a meaningful career or meaningful work means to them. So if you could have one wish for a better world when it comes to our work and lives, what would it be? I think, um, you know, from my worldview and perspective, it's acceptance. So if we can accept what work means to each of us, it doesn't mean it has to mean the most, it may, may mean the least. As soon as we can accept our own relationship with work, we can start accepting other people's relationship with work. And um, that, uh, that acceptance, uh, you know, all of a sudden we're, we're freeing people up to make the choices they want in life. But if we keep telling people that career has to be this level of importance in your life, or if uh, these are the right careers, you know, here's the top 10 most meaningful jobs. I really think we're just creating more boundaries that we're going to have to unwrap later. So uh, or, or work to, to dismantle later. So if I would say one thing, it's acceptance of the work in our own place of work in our own lives, our relationship. And then we can start accept, uh, helping other people accept the place of work in their lives. Yeah, beautifully, beautifully put. Now, what I want to share with people is how they can get this book, where they can get this book. Yeah, um, the, well, the, the number one, uh, the largest, of course, uh, purveyor of books in the world is Amazon. So, oh, if, what's uh, Amazon? Hey. Oh, that's the <laughs> yeah. truck that's so been by my house every day. You may not have heard of them day. either. We, I know we have a pandemic, and I know there's something called Amazon out there. But yeah, so of course, it's uh, multiple Amazon stores, whether uh, you're in Canada, United States, the United Kingdom. Uh, a couple books have been sold in India. Oh, I guess this is the first place I can mention this because it just happened a couple of weeks ago. Uh, looking forward to my new Turkish audience because uh, your best work is now being translated into Turkish and it'll be <laughs> sold as print in Turkey. But of course, Amazon and then there's uh, Barnes & Noble, all the regular book outlets. Yeah. Okay. And I- Indigo? So Indigo, they- of course. Yes, Indigo, uh, uh, McNally Robinson, all the... Uh, 
But yeah, if you go on my website, workfeelsgood.com, there's a book section, scroll down. There's also an audio version that um, I did not narrate. And people, uh, you know, I, I, I'm a bit uh, a bit scattered sometimes. It would probably take me months to record my book. But there's a wonderful uh, gentleman out of uh, Atlanta. Uh, he, he sounds just, uh, he sounds better than I do. And he did the narration. His name is Nick Tarkovsky. And Nick did a fantastic job. I, I melt when I hear his voice. So I oh, recommend wow. the audio version. Yeah. Does he have an accent too? No, he's just, uh, uh, he's just brilliant. Um, and, uh, and it's just the drama. I mean, voice, voice acting, narration is a skill. And he has me engaged. I, I'm biased, of course. It's my book, but his voice keeps, I, I think, does a good job of keeping people engaged, and uh, it probably helps to build my audience. <laughs> That's wonderful. Wonderful. So thank you so much for you. your time. You've given a lot of insights here today, some inspiration. You've been very authentic and genuine with your own story, both the stories of the past and and the near misses on your life, and then the great things that you've done with your life to find meaning and purpose, and most importantly, to help others find meaning and purpose. So thank you for all you're doing for the world, Tom. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, so we um, definitely look forward to sharing this podcast, and uh, stay well, and wishing everybody a really happy and joyful and healthy both mentally, physically, spiritually, and emotionally, 2021. (laughs) Um, So thank you again and stay well. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you found this content useful, please share with others who may benefit and engage with us on social media. In the podcast summary, you'll find links to my psychology practices, Work Evolution, Canada Career Counseling, and Synthesis Psychology for more detailed information, articles, and tips. I hope you have a wonderful, healthy day, and thank you for joining us.